You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I'm thrilled today to be in 1 Peter and looking forward to what God has for us today because it's been a wake-up call in so many different areas. And it shouldn't surprise us here today that uh, we are going to be speaking about a wake-up call for husbands because last week we discussed a wake-up call for wives, right? And so here's what I've been getting this week. Text messages. About a half dozen guys have texted me, Preacher, should I wear my bulletproof vest? You know, be easy on us. Come on now, preacher, you know, and uh, I love it. I love it. I know they're te- you're teasing and, and I haven't gotten uh, too many of those, but I love it. Thank you for uh, really honestly encouraging me just to remember how important this is and how serious you're taking it. And so it's, it's, it's amazing as we read this passage in just a moment that God knows us better than we know ourselves. Think about it. First Peter chapter three, right? It's where we're at. Wake up call. You've got the first six verses of first Peter chapter three, six verses dedicated to the wives. God knows us better than ourselves. Wives need more explanation, right? They need, they need, they just need to hear more and they have a lot of questions and they want to know the details, right? Men, we get one verse. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows guys like it straight. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? And so in this one verse, We have everything that God wants to teach us today to be better husbands. It's interesting, if you were to ask me my personal opinion, I would say that in one verse it contains much more help, information, and powerful truth than honestly the other six verses do. And so I want to ask you a question today as as we look at these six ways to transform our marriages. I want to ask you, gentlemen, do you really have this woman Do you love this woman? And do you really take this woman to be your wedded wife? To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. That commitment was one that all of us made who are married today. And it's a strong commitment. And this verse teaches those who want to flourish in that commitment six ways to help make that incredible commitment last and even get better. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin this morning by reading the verse out loud twice. First, I want to put it on the screen and have all of our ladies read the verse while the men listen. And so ladies, Carol Ann, would you begin? Wow, that was beautiful. That was meek and quiet. It was sweet. Now, men, are you ready? Let's get our game face on here, guys. Let's go. Are you ready? I'm going to help us read it. Here we go, guys. Together. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. Marriage is amazing. It's an amazing thing. But I want you to know that it's not always easy. It takes work. A lot of work. In fact, much of what you're going to hear for the next few moments, gentlemen, is is not easy to hear. Some of this is really hard to hear. Because to be honest, our sinful nature at times works against us in accomplishing these things. 
And yet marriage is amazing. It's a great gift. And I'm so thankful that for these past 31 years, God has allowed me to live in holy matrimony with my my wife, the wife of my youth. And yet I I, I cannot stand here and tell you that it's always been easy and that it is easy even today after 31 years. It still takes a lot of work. The writer begins here by saying, likewise, husbands. Sound familiar? It sounds familiar because in verse 1, he said, likewise, wives. In fact, he begins by reminding us that likewise, likewise, in other words, I, I just kind of mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 2 that, that Jesus suffered and was willing to endure difficulty so that we might have redemption, that we might inherit eternal life, that we might experience salvation. It wasn't easy. There was sacrifice involved. There was difficulty involved. And he says, likewise, wives, likewise, husbands, we are commanded by God to endure the difficult hardships of marriage for the higher good. Because there is a higher good. And it's worth it. And so today we're going to look at some of these challenges that the Lord gives us in this one verse. We'll not stray from this verse. We'll stay right here in the midst of it. We've divided it up into phrases. And each one of these phrases contains an incredible, life-changing, transforming marriage truth for husbands. And for those that desire to be husbands. And for those that want to fan the flame of love again in your marriage. And so number one, it says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives. The King James says, dwell with your wives. And what this is speaking of is study, or rather spend time with your wife. Spend time with her. Live with her. Dwell with her. Now, this is much more than physical intimacy with your wife. This encompasses that statement, simply put, live with your wives. Pay attention. It encompasses everything all that the marriage life involves. It involves so much in living and dwelling with our wives. Translated this morning, spending time with them, making a home for them, dwelling with them, building a life with them. This is the idea that Scripture is teaching here. But the issue practically is time. Because nothing will transform your marriage like time spent working on it. Nothing. It's the most important thing. You've got to invest time in it. You can't change something without investing time in it. You can't lower your golf handicap without spending a lot of time doing it. You know, if you want to beat the competition at work, it takes time. If you want to have a really good garden, it takes time. If you want to have the best lawn in the neighborhood, it takes time. And if you want to have a good marriage, it takes time. A real investment of time. Now, I already know this because I can see the fear in your faces, husbands. I can see it. Here's what every guy in this room is thinking. Man, how much time are you talking about? <laughs> Dude, I mean, you're, you're going a little over on this time thing, preacher. I mean, you know, hey, wait, I work, I work overtime, then I've got my hobbies, then i got ESPN, then I've got my friends, I've got hunting, I've got a lot going on here. So 
Where am I supposed to fit this person in? Man, this message is for you. (laughs) Because the truth of the matter is nothing is more important than your wife. Not your hobby. Not your hunting. Not your golf. Not your friends. Not your career. Not your work. The most important person in your life is your wife. So I want to give you four ways to invest your time. These are practical ways to do it. First of all, let me suggest 15 minutes a day. Just 15 minutes a day. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of time, but I'm going to assure you it's more time than you think. Before you get too excited, I'm going to tell you, when you sit down and really say, you know what, I'm going to focus my attention only on this moment with you for 15 minutes, some of you are going to look at your clock and think, man, it's only five minutes. We've got 10 minutes to go. I could have swore this is like 30 minutes. You know, he's not in the habit of it. But you commit to 15 minutes a day. You start with that. And I can assure you it's going to make a huge difference by just that. Not 15 minutes in the same house together. Not at the dinner table with all the kids. Not, you know, not just in passing. You know, it's been 15 minutes. We've been in the house together. You know, now can I go outside? No, this is 15 minutes of focused time. Number two, might I suggest one evening per week? One evening per week. This could be translated as a date night. Or like if you're, if you're in a situation like my wife and I where, you know, it's, we have a, a special needs child. So we have a little bit of a, of a situation where we need to make some other plans. At times we need to have a little default. And so ours is that on Wednesday nights... We know we have this if we don't get the the evening together where we get a babysitter and work it all out perfectly, which we do at times. But when we don't, we know we have Wednesday nights. We finish the children's ministry uh, where we work when Scott Mercer's small group and the Madhouse is having their ministries. We take care of, believe it or not, about 30 to 40 children of the workers and volunteers in in those ministries and of the small group members. And after that, we take low... To San Francisco Bread Company, my favorite little spot. It's quiet. It's always empty at 8 o'clock. Empty. Nobody is there. They're expecting us. We walk in. They know who we are. They know what we're going to order. It's, a, it's hilarious. And my wife and I get some one-on-one time. Now, Glow knows everything about our marriage. Everything. She's heard it all. She doesn't seem, doesn't seem to affect her too much. I was with somebody in the car the other day and I had Glow with me and it was this week and we were in the car together talking about something very, very intense and the gentleman next to me goes, I don't know if I should share it because my daughter's back there. I'm going, oh no, it's good. She can handle it. She's heard so much stuff. I'm telling you, we get to heaven. I'm sure she's going to say, I can't believe you said all this in front of me. It kind of blew his mind, but he sure opened up after that. He fell for it. So anyway. But one evening per week where you've just got a, a, an hour, hour and a half, couple of hours, you know, and it's in a sense, it may cost you a few dollars for a babysitter or maybe your kids are old enough to where they can kind of take care of things while you take your wife to go to a quick bite to eat, maybe have some time with her. And then thirdly, I'd like to suggest one day per month, one day in the 30 or 31 days of a month, take one day. And this may look like a Little Rock trip, man, I'm grateful we've got. You know, our capital city, 45, 50 minutes away. What a great city it is. Not that we don't live in a great city, but just right down the road. An hour drive, which is a great way to have conversation. An hour back, which is another opportunity for men to take a nap and your wife to drive home. And at least it's kind of the way it's been for us. But anyway, uh, 
and, and just, you know, a great time to have a date and just a one or, or one day where you can just say, you know what, we're going to go out and have a good time and just enjoy one another and, and just spend time together. And then fourthly, one weekend per year. Now that weekend for me might be the couples retreat. We had an amazing couples retreat this year where uh, uh, Brother Jeremy and Jillian Horton uh, were our teachers, and it was life-transforming. In fact, I've heard from several couples, man, it was, it was life-changing. It saved our marriage. It changed our marriage. And we had a, a great group, the largest we've ever had go this year. It's getting bigger every year, but it's still just 20%, 30% of our entire church family that takes advantage of that one weekend per year. I don't know if it's the $100 or if it's just that it sneaks up on us, but it's an announced weekend every year. It's on the calendar. You can know eight, nine months in advance. You can save less than 50 cents a day between January 1 and the day we go and take your wife on an amazing weekend retreat where you can spend time together, eat together, hang out with some church friends and get the word of God poured into your marriage. It's amazing. But, you know, I believe that if we'll do this, invest just that much time. And that's not overwhelming. 15 minutes a day, one evening per week, one day per month, one weekend per year. Sharing common interest. Things that we enjoy doing together. Doing those things. You see, the number one currency of our culture is time. It's time. You say, no, no, what about money? Oh, no, it's not money. It's not money at all. Because people would give a lot of money to get more, what? Time. Time. See, spend it wisely and invest in your marriage. So that's what it means by husbands, live with your wives. And then it says, in an understanding way. I like the King James on this one too, where it says, according to knowledge. Number two, study your wife. Study your wife. Get to know her. You say, preacher, how do you suggest I do that? Well, a couple of things real quick here. Number one, I think it would be good for me to first of all say that we should start studying our wives by learning everything God's word has to say about how to have a great marriage. Start with that. That'd be a great place to start. Not, not, not in a book from the bookstore, not in a suggested book that the pastor says, read this. There's a lot of good books out there, but nothing surpasses the word of God. And to take a year and to read through God's word, as many of us do, we have a special Bible reading program we're going to be introducing here in the next couple of weeks for our entire church to participate in next year. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. It's a different way of approaching reading God's word every day. And maybe we should... Every time we come across a passage that deals with marriage or specifically our wives, we could highlight that in Scripture and and, and attempt to really learn about our wives through the lens of God's Word. That'd be the first suggestion. And then after that, learn to understand women. They think differently. They respond differently. Many times my wife has said in our 31 years of marriage, as she's been going through something, that I'm like, what's happening? And she said, go figure it out. Google it. Read about it. I don't know what's happening, but I would like for my husband to find out. And we laugh about it some, but to be honest, you know, I mean, she's right. It's true. I need, I don't just need to throw up my hands and you know, all right, she's going through something. You know how it is. You know, they're just so different. No, I need to find out what is the difference and how can I minister and help her and love her and get her through this. 
You think, then you take all of that, all of that in Scripture and all of that that you can learn in other ways, and you make it a lifetime experience to get to know the woman called your wife, her unique strengths and abilities, her weaknesses, how she responds to things, how she handles things. What upsets her? What she loves? What she hates? And what nourishes her? Study your wife. You need to have your PhD in that woman called your wife. You said, but I had no idea when I got married it was going to be this. Well, you vowed. You said you committed to love her and cherish her in sickness and health and poverty and wealth. And I mean, you, you, surely you knew it was going to be more than just, I do, now let's just go back to video games. This is, you cook, you clean, let's have sex, and you know what? Hopefully we'll last at least 10 years. See how it goes, and we reevaluate. Now, this is, this is an awesome life. Getting to know your wife. It's not like, oh no, something else on the list of things to do every day. No, it's like take a bunch of stuff off and put what matters on. This is incredible. It's life changing. Now, six things men would know if they would study their wives. This is a broad generalization. I did a little study. It's not in your notes because it's something I've done since your notes. And I want to, you know, and sometimes I have to get things done in advance to get things printed. So here's a few things I jotted down. That men would know their wives if, here it is. They would know that when she says nothing, it really means a lot of things. Men, nothing really never means nothing. Nothing means go figure out what I mean. Nothing may mean, are you serious? Do you really have to ask me what's wrong? You don't know? If we'd study our wives, they would know that women are bothered by things that guys don't even notice. It's the truth. I'm amazed sometimes at things that bother my wife that I'm like, it's no big deal. Like we had the membership orientation. I do this almost every time. Get better at it, a little better. Carrie helps me with this. But my wife will say, honey, I need a number. How many are coming over? And I'm like, it's going to be fine. This is coming over, but I'm, honey, I'm cooking. I got to know how much. Look, if we don't have enough, I'll just tell the staff not to eat. <laughs> She's all the staff has to eat. You've told them they're having dinner. Like, They'll be fine. The sacrifice for Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, but I'm learning. No, wait a minute. That, that, that I've, got, I've got to understand that that means something to her. It doesn't bother me. There's many things like that. They would know that romance... If men would really study their wives, they would know that romance springs from sacrifice and planning and not from convenience. You know, it's like the guy that is like one block from home and he sees the homeless dude on the side selling roses. And so he buys, you know, the roses, the wilting roses, you know, he buys a dozen for like five bucks. And he gets home and he says, honey, I got some roses. And she says, from the guy in the corner, I bet. She saw him too, by the way. She'd rather you go across town five miles and get the best ones and spend a little bit more money. Or like when you plan a date. 
Hey, honey, we're going on a date. Got coupons to McDonald's. It's incredible. I won the lottery at the staff Christmas party. They picked my name. We're going to Wendy's. Free Frosties. It's going to be great. Okay. That's cool, but I think our wives would like for us to plan some things and kind of, hey, I got this restaurant. It's new. I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of great things about it. In fact, I'm really excited about suggesting a certain meal that I've heard. I know you like this kind of food and honey, it's going to be awesome. And after that, I've, I've got this new ice cream place that, I mean, planning. That's what romance springs from. You want romance in your marriage. It's not going to be convenient. If we study our wives, we know that sex is the culmination, or rather is, is the culmination of a good day and not the fire escape from a bad one. We would know that we can't come home after having a, our wives having a rough day and we watch ESPN and make sure that, that we have a good grip on that remote control for three or four hours. And then when dinner's over, just you know, drop our plates off on the counter. And, uh, and then at 10.55, just light the candle. It's time. We would know that it comes from a kiss on the cheek when we get home. And, man, honey, you look nice. And it's been a good day. And how are you? And what can I do to help? And I got the dishes. And you won't need a candle then. I'm simply saying that there's something to be said about studying your wife. They would know that genuine compliments are never wasted. You look beautiful today. I love your hair. I love that dress. You know, I've never met the woman ever that has said to me, yeah, could you talk to my husband? He just compliments me way too much. I just can't take it anymore. He's always telling me the meal is delicious. I've just never met that woman. You never waste a compliment. You look nice tonight. I love your hair. Man, dinner was great. Study your wife. They would know that a little help goes a long way. If you study your wife, you know that a little vacuuming goes a long way. A little cleaning of the dishes go a long way. Folding laundry. I've gone too far. I'm sorry. I've really stepped out of my comfort zone with that one. So I'm going to back up. Let's go back to this helping at the meal. Okay. My wife knows I can. I'm terrible at it. She tries to teach me. I just can't. Just love the way she does it. You just do it so good. Likewise, husband. Oh, compliment. I'm trying to score some points here right in the pulpit, right? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. And this is a simple one because I'm just going to basically say it like the Bible says it. It says to spend time with your wife, study your wife. But this one says honor your wife. Showing honor to the woman. In other words, just as every man wants to be respected and looked up to, so does every woman want to be cherished and adored. Honor her. And you know what's really cool about this sermon? Is I'm not making any of this up. Like you might think, you know, I pray to this, you know, this is a little bit. No, I'm not. This is like God said this stuff. It's right here. Honor your wife. This is God's word. The idea here is to value who she is and what she does. Value that. To honor her, reward her by every means available to you. 
saying something nice in front of others, doing what you can do to show that she is not taken for granted, doing something special for her, like maybe writing a little note on a pinky, a pink sticky note. You know, I know, I don't like pink either, guys, but it's romantic, you know, you I love you. I miss you. Can't wait to get home today. You're the best wife in the world. And then little sticky notes right where you know she's going to see it after you leave. Or maybe it's just, you know, hey, sweetheart, tell you what, Saturday, I just want you to know I've already kind of talked to the kids. We got the house. We got all the Saturday duties. We've got it. I want you to just go out and have a good time. And here's $100 just to do whatever you want to do. I had that chance yesterday. My, my wife had a, one of you, one of her girlfriends in the church, uh, wanted to go out and hang out. And, you know, so I, I said, look, I'm going to, I'll take Glow. And at a certain time, I had the retirement center at 830. And then I had a uh, prospective church member that I hung out with. And then I, I had a young man named Carter who was in the first service from Lakeside. We ended up spending two or three hours together, went out and just had a great time. And we had Glow with us the whole time. Just, it was awesome. And we got to the game because Zoe and Chloe were playing yesterday afternoon at the community center. And I didn't text her. I didn't call her. I didn't say, where are you? I didn't say, time's up. I just said, I'm just going to let her go till she's finished. And I think it was about maybe three, three and a half hours. I'm not sure how long, but I thought it was just great. She showed up. She had a big old smile on her face. In fact, she even told me this morning, honey, I just want you to know, just now when she sat there, she goes, I... You can preach this message with a little bit clear conscience after yesterday. I'm like, because <laughs> these are hard to preach in front of the person who can judge everything I'm saying accurately. I mean, I'm going to get home today to be called a liar or, or, you know, okay. you know. But, you know, it was so fun watching her light up when she got to the gym yesterday. And then I said, Take your glory in. She's all yours, you know. I, I didn't do that. Actually, I was grateful for some church members that helped. You know, I've got a question for you. What will your children's marriages be like from having watched yours? What, what do we expect our kids to know about Loving their wives like Christ loved the church from watching us love ours. It's just a convicting thought, isn't it? But it's one that's needed. Next, likewise, husbands, live with your wives. Spend time with them in an understanding way. Study them, showing honor to the woman. Honor them. And then as the weaker vessel. Now, if I wasn't just, and I try to be a, a man of, of the word who preaches God's word without apology and, and courageously. But to be honest, I think this is one of those that we just cower towards. We're afraid to talk about this weaker vessel. So let me build a little foundation on this. My point is to protect your wife. But I want to say that it says weaker vessel, which means what? If she's the weaker vessel, then it doesn't... Think about it. She's who, what does that mean the spouse is, the other one? He's weak too. She's just weaker, but he's weak because we're all weak. The truth of the matter is, is women are very capable. It says here, she's the weaker vessel. The vessel speaks of our bodies, our physical abilities. 
The word of God speaks often of our bodies as we're dirt back in Genesis, made of dirt. We are jars of clay. Anybody ever heard of that? We are, you know, we're, we're, we're in many ways, our, our bodies are just pots, you know. They're fragile. They're weak. But she is the weaker vessel, physically weak, weaker. I, I would guess that most men could go home and if you challenged your wife to an arm wrestling contest, you'd win. I mean, if... And you say, well, I think I can beat my husband. Well, that probably says more about him than it does about you. Trust me. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I feel like we need to understand that we are not speaking about this as in women are incapable. I mean, they're, they're just as capable of shooting a gun, sometimes better than a man. In fact, they can be, they can serve with distinction in the armed forces. And I get that. I'm not necessarily in favor of that. Like with bells on, I don't, I really believe that it's somewhat sad that men don't step up and protect women. And we have somehow felt as if we have to put woman in, a woman in harm's way just in the name of equality when we've been given a responsibility to protect them. And so just to get back to whatever you want to call it, old time preaching or whatever, I, I really feel like it's just an honest evaluation of God's word. Husbands, we are given a God-given responsibility to protect our wives. And how does that look? Well, let me give you three practical ways to use your strength to protect your wife. Number one, men can protect their wives physically by showing patience when things seem dangerous. Showing patience when things seem dangerous. Because at times, they do seem dangerous to her when maybe they don't seem so dangerous to us. Like, for instance, for me, it's driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour. And then, of course, I've got to go a little faster because I really want to get past this semi-truck. So I go really fast. And then my wife does this contortion of her body and this screaming. And, the, and then I freak out. Ah! And I'm like, what's wrong, y'all? What's wrong? And she's on the truck. And I'm like, I see the truck. I know, you know. And then the fight ensues, you know. Because I have... Put her in harm's way. Ah, oh, no, you just passed her truck. But wait a minute. She's more sensitive to those moments. Kind of like at a ball game when, you know, her son gets injured. You know? Me, I'm like, suck it up. He'll be fine. I remember when Josiah, my second-born son, a children's pastor, he, he li- I've never seen him like this. He was at midcourt and a 300-pound opponent, no joke, basketball, they come that large sometimes in high school. They, he ran into Joe, hit Joe full speed. Joe fell to the ground, just hit his head so hard on the court that I honestly thought, for a moment I thought, whew, I wonder if he'll survive this. Then the kid fell on top of him, 300 pounds, on top of Joe. Well, she's freaking out. She's, ah! I mean, she's got the phone out. It's on, nine's already been pressed. It's going to 1-1 in a moment. And I'm over there just like, he's going to be fine. Well, let me just tell you the end of the story. Joe's got a head like a coconut. I'm serious. I mean, honestly, Joe popped up after the head on the court, the three and a pounds. He jumped up and said, smiling. <laughs> I was like, ready to go. He's like, Joe. He's like, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, I think it would have killed Joe for sure. <laughs> It'd be over, you know. I mean, Joe could get hit, and he's like, you know, limping after you. (laughs) You know I'm telling the truth. He knows it. Daniel knows it, too, as a referee. (laughs) 
No, it's, it's, it's just funny. Joe's just like a, you know, he's just like an energizer buddy, but he, he did. But my wife freaked out, and I remember just kind of being okay with it, but I probably should have reacted differently, and I tried to do, have a little more compassion on the ills of her children, our children, because I know that wives are more sensitive to those things. Right, Tiffany? Yes, I know that. And then men can protect their wives by assuring their safety in our absence. I'm gone a lot. I travel, not now, a lot, lot. I used to travel a lot. I don't travel as much anymore, but I am gone some. And you know, when I'm gone, I already know. I'm at the Marriott Hotel with seven fluffy extra feather pillows and room service, you know, and it's all good. And I'm going to fall asleep to Fox News in between seven pillows and it's all good. But she's at home hearing every single noise, wondering if that's the burglar or why, what's that noise? What's that creak? What's that, you know, everything. And so I understand that, you know, if I leave town, there are probably ways that, that I can help her to feel more protected in my absence. Some men have taught their wives how to, how to shoot a gun and and, and they understand that they, they have that in their home. Or maybe there's an alarm system that they've invested in. I mean, other things that you can do to make sure. Calling often probably is the best thing. In fact, when I went to this last trip to get accreditation with Jeremy Horton uh, in Anaheim, California, we were gone for like six days. And I remember telling him, we established in the plane, we're going to call our wives five to six times a day. Just to make sure they know that, you know, we love them. Call us if you need us. We're here. These are just important things. Number three, men can protect their wives physically by managing their aggression during a conflict. Now, I say this carefully, but I say this because I think it's important for us to understand that men, we do not need to intimidate our wives. I've seen it in in 27 years of pastoring. I've been through a lot in counseling. I mean, I've seen the woman in front of me afraid of her husband as he... looks at her, and she cowers. I can only imagine what she's going through at home, you know. I mean, if he'll do that in front of the preacher, what would he do at home alone? By the way, men, don't touch your wives in a, in a way that is aggressive. Grab them, throw something. In fact, I would say this to, to a lady that would approach me with, what should I do? Call the police. I mean, if men are abusing their wives, this is not an excuse for your leadership or whatever it is that you think that justifies that. We should not do that. We should not intimidate. Watch your voice level. I would just ask this question. Is your wife afraid of you? And if she is, that's sin. She should not be afraid of you. She should feel protected by you. And this is God's plan. And then it says... Likewise, husbands, live with your wives, spend time with them in an understanding way, study them, honor your wife, honor them as the weaker vessel, protect them since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So let's talk about the grace of life. It's really cool. The grace of life is simply this. It's all the good things that happen to you and your wife together. I mean, it's really, that's what it is. The grace of life, the goodness of God. When you got saved and when you got married to your spouse, you inherited some incredible blessings. First of all, hey, salvation is the grace of life. It really is. 
to be saved, to know you're going to heaven when you die, to share eternity and this journey of glorification together and sanctification. And then also, I think it would be fair to say that health is a grace of life. Wow. I mean, my wife's been through a lot of health problems, but today she's healthy. Amen? And so I'm going to enjoy that with her. And then maybe we could say strength is the grace of life and a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. I woke up this morning, I watched the sun come up, and I thought about how beautiful today is going to be. And I just love a beautiful sunny day, the grace of life together, sharing and doing life together. You express that togetherness by, here it is, open up to your wife. Open up to her. When you open up to your wife, you are sharing together the grace of life. Now, this is the hardest part of the message. It really is because I already know every man in this building more than likely is probably just like me. So let me make this statement first. If time is the currency of relationships, then disclosure is the gold of relationships. Opening up. Opening up. Sharing your heart. That's tough for guys. Listen, you put 10 women together who don't know each other in a room for one hour, come back in an hour, they're all crying, and they've all told their life stories. You put 10 women, 10 men together in a room that don't know each other, come back in an hour, seven have left, and three are still there talking about the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. The truth. We're just different. We don't like opening up. Not not too touchy-feely. But men, husbands, wives need us to open up. So I'm going to give you four sentences that you could say. Maybe, you know, after the appetizer comes on that date night and after you kind of get settled into the meal, hey, honey, I just want to tell you why the reason I have a hard time opening up. She's wanted to know for a long time. Why is it? Just share it. That's a good opener. Or maybe this, sometimes I, I, I feel afraid that, what is it? I feel afraid I'm going to lose my job. I feel afraid I'm just, I'm not going to be a good enough dad. And I just feel afraid I'm not going to meet the needs or have enough for you guys when I just, I'm afraid. Or maybe this, the hardest times for me are, or maybe this, the thing that you do the most, rather, the thing that you do that means the most to me is this. Here's what I'm simply saying. Open up. In fact, think of a couple right now that you admire, that you just admire their marriage, you admire them as a couple, and I can guarantee you they're good at this. They're good at this. They're good at opening up. And so I want to challenge our men to share together the grace of life. Open up about the good things that God is doing in your family and open up to your wife about things that you've hidden maybe behind this you know, wall of, of just being a man who just wants to be tough and not tender. Sometimes we need the tender. And then finally, and I'm done, it says so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men struggle with prayer. We struggle with it. I struggle with it. So I want to say this as number six and in closing, pray with your wife. And I left this for last because the Bible in this verse listed this as the very last thing. 
It's, speak, it's speaking of our prayers being hindered. This is very important. Why would anyone want your prayers to be cut off? In fact, that's what the word hinder means. In the Greek, if you study that word out, it means cut off, to be cut off. In other words, it's like speaking to the wind. Your prayers are not going anywhere. They're not going to get answered. They're not going to be heard. They're going to be hindered. Why? I think the only explanation is because we're not doing very well at these other things. And if we're hindered in our prayers because we need to improve in these six things. So I want to challenge you to pray with your wife. It's tough. It's difficult. My wife and I have found that the best time for us to pray, and it's still tough, is in the evenings. For a lot of reasons. Just to be completely transparent. And since disclosure is the gold of relationships, here it is. I fall asleep sometimes. Sometimes I'll get in bed before she does, and I'll fall asleep. Other times, she'll get in bed before I do, and she falls asleep. You say, well, man, you, let me give you some advice, preacher. Let me tell you, I need it. Trust me, I could use it. It's not easy to, to pray with your wife. Then, just the difficulty of finding that time, it's then opening up, because when you pray, you're praying to the God of heaven, who knows everything about you. And so if you're going to pray sincerely and intimately with your wife to God, who knows everything, you're vulnerable. And you open up in that prayer. And you say things maybe that you wouldn't have even really said were you not talking to God right there with your wife. It's just a powerful, powerful thing, and yet it's hard. And it's hard to keep it going. And sometimes we'll go on a really good string and feel really good about praying together, and then we'll, we'll have a gap. And we're not even sure why it happened or what went wrong or why we let it slip off the table again, but it did because it does, maybe because Satan knows it's the most powerful tool in all mankind. And so I want to encourage you to pray with your wife. I think, I think if we'll do these th- six things, they'll light a fire in our marriages. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, you know, I, I, I need this. I, I need you to pray for me. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over our men, over our wives, over our families. We're going to stand. We're going to give an invitation. We're going to allow the altars to be opened, encourage people to pray together, husbands to pray with their wives, wives pray with their husbands here in this house of prayer, right, that Jesus said it should be. We're going to ask that those that may not know Christ to feel as if this would be the time where you can answer that call. If God is dealing with you about salvation, feel free to come and, and, and let me pray with you about that. But I want to give us all an opportunity to to respond to this invitation by surrendering ourselves to Christ in a deeper and more meaningful way. Let's bow our heads, shall we?